This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health, from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, and welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Today, we are happy to have Dr. Karen Post from Maternal Mental Health Now on the episode with us. Karen Post received her doctorate in clinical psychology from New York University. She's a clinical psychologist who specializes in maternal mental health, couples therapy, depression and anxiety, perinatal mood disorders, early childhood development, and parent-child relationships, and since 2009 has been the executive director of Maternal Mental Health Now, formerly known as the Los Angeles County Perinatal Mental Health Task Force. She maintains a private practice in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Dr. Post. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kat. No problem. We're happy to have you here. So if we can start with uh, how you came to do this work and how you got involved in perinatal mental health, maternal mental health issues. Sure, I'd love to talk about that. So I think for me, uh, the interest, my interest in this area came about when I became probably pregnant with my first daughter about 27 years ago. I was working as a psychologist at the time. You know, I, I felt kind of anxious in pregnancy, but didn't really take note of that. And then my postpartum adjustment was very rough. I was highly anxious and mm. had trouble eating and couldn't sleep when my baby slept. But Really, despite all my years of training um, graduate school and internships, I really, I had no idea what was going on with me. And I think more to the point, I didn't want to know what was going on with me. I didn't, I really mm -hmm. had internalized uh, a lot of the shame and stigma. And it was kind of twofold. It was the classic, I'm a mom, I should just be happy. And um, number one. 
And then the shame of, well, I'm a mental health professional. I'm, I'm not supposed to be so broken down. And, and um, so all of those things kind of conspired within me. And it took me a full eight months uh, in the postpartum period to reach out for help. Um, so, so that was that experience. And um, it was rough on my marriage and, and just rough going. Then, you know, I, I came out of it. Cut to, mm-hmm. uh, I have a second daughter and uh, was, did not have a postpartum depression or anxiety uh, experience mm-hmm. uh, at that time. But I was working at the Early Childhood Center at Cedars, Sinai in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and began to realize that a lot of the young children I was working with, that their, uh, their parents, their moms in particular, uh, who were generally their primary caregivers, uh, were suffering from depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So uh, we began to take a look at that in that program. Also, that window of opportunity when the child is developing, that the population was zero to three years old. So I uh, initially felt, well, if we take care of the mom, this will really help what's going on with the child. But then I got to learn and see well, there's... It may take a while for depression and anxiety to really um, ease up and for Mm -hmm. mom to feel the more considerable relief. And so we learned to work dyadically as well to help the mom and the baby Mm -hmm. together. So anyway, that led to, um, at the time, um, the director of that program uh, came to know a woman named Kimberly Wong who was suffering Mm -hmm. from a severe postpartum, life-threatening depression. And um, at that time, she uh, had severe suicidality, could not put two thoughts together. And uh, she was, uh, although she found help um, initially uh, and was hospitalized, once she got out... um, and even until someone recognized that she was suffering enough to uh, give her the right referrals, she really found wow. that she had there were well-intentioned but uninformed providers in LA County, right. and she mm-hmm. um, she had all the resources in the world. So, 2007, mm-hmm. she formed the LA County Perinatal Mental Health Task Force, and at that time, we were all volunteer. Um, yeah. And uh, since that time, we've grown into a, uh, a pretty powerful organization for change in this area in L.A. County uh, with the support yeah. of lots of foundations and so many volunteers and really a brain trust, the brain trust for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders in, in L.A., lots of partnerships and key stakeholders in L.A., I know a little bit about the work that you guys do just because I know you guys and I've been to a lot of your trainings and it seems like your reach is very far and wide. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what the organization does and the work that you do and the advocacy efforts that you're engaged in? Absolutely. So our approach, um, uh, while we focus on at-risk vulnerable populations uh, for women and their families who have the multiple stressors, including poverty uh, and all that comes along with it. We also, Mm -hmm. that's um, our primary focus, but we also are uh, working to change the system of care for all women in Los Angeles. 
at yeah. Great. And so we go about that really in three ways. We do mm -hmm. public awareness and stigma reduction. And that is the Speak Up When You're Down campaign with brochures in seven threshold LA languages uh, yeah, right. and grassroots events, public awareness events, bringing communities together mm -hmm. and uh, along the lines of um, reducing stigma, we have a grassroots movement, uh, the Share Your Story Speaker Salon. And that's very important, too, because that is working mm -hmm. in a very culturally relevant way, uh, adapting a curriculum to help moms know their story, share their story with other moms, peer-to-peer. -peer. Mm -hmm. There's a whole curriculum for it. And again, that gets adapted uh, for various cultural groups so that uh, women can really uh, relate to the way that stigma kind of manifests in each group and there are certain things that are very salient and very relevant uh, to particular cultures. And although we can't right. generalize, there are things that are uh, important. And so that really helps break down stigma. So that's awareness and stigma reduction. And mm -hmm. to that end, we public service announcements, et cetera, and, and join with other organizations nationwide to, uh, to reduce stigma. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. That's great. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it is so good. I think, you know, with between the work we're doing and so many people like you, Kat, and and so many um, organizations um, and individuals that are working to do the same thing. I, 
I think it's really helping. And so for that, we have a also a speakers uh, bureau library on our website. So that's accessible and people can use those videos to spread um, awareness and really take the shame and stigma out of the mm -hmm. issue. So that's that. And the second part of our approach has to do with training and what we call technical assistance. So the training has to do with training providers, training all sectors of providers, doctors, that includes pediatricians, mm -hmm. obstetricians, right. primary care doctors, nurse practitioners, home visitors, training mental health professionals, training child welfare workers, yeah, right. and early childhood interventionists, early childhood professionals, the legal system. So we have a curriculum mm -hmm. and we tailor it to every sector and work actually with organizations to tailor the curriculum specifically to, to them. Um, and the trainings are in person. So um, mm -hmm. many trainings at many kinds of agencies and programs trained over 1,500 individual providers just this year in LA. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And it is amazing. And we're so heartened by it. It's, it's hard to keep up with the demand. And, and what we find, though, what people want and what we have come to see as important is, is not just people coming to a training, but to have follow-up mm -hmm. so that all of the learning really results in practice change. And, and that yeah. leads into this idea of what we call technical assistance or mentoring and coaching, which is also then part of our systems change, which uh, kind of dovetails with our third uh, program or aspect of our work, which is policy and advocacy. So mm -hmm. to this end, we are trying to change the system of care in L.A. County so that all women have access to informed providers and going back to Kimberly Wong's story, you know, she felt that if she has all these resources and she can't get help, what about women who don't have these resources? So right. beginning with them and um, a, a general idea we're really working with now is meeting women where they are in their, in their mm -hmm. medical homes because uh, women will go for their prenatal care by and by and more importantly, they will go for their well-child visits. And they mm -hmm. often will do that even if they're depressed. So it may yeah. be hard for them to take a mental health referral for themselves, but they, you know, courageously, even in uh, when suffering from postpartum depression, uh, you know, will show up for their, their babies. And uh, even though it may be hard to do that, and so if we can meet women where they are, you know, screen them and have the providers be aware, not just a pen and paper screening, but we, we train right. about empathy and how to be responsive. And, um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, we can recognize the women who are suffering. Um, I think of myself when I was having a postpartum anxiety and depression with my first daughter, I went into the pediatrician, I was a mess. But mm -hmm. it was, would have been a great moment to get me, even with all of my internalized shame and stigma, you know, yeah. for a pediatrician to say, you know, hey, looks like mama may be having a hard time too, you know. 
And mm-hmm. so, yeah, right. so we're hoping for that kind of screening to be universal. We're working to implement that in LA. We have different grants to support us doing that. That one's from the California Healthcare Foundation. And we, we right. call it the integration initiative. So it's integrating perinatal mental health into medical settings. And wow. I know it's incredible. And it started with a pilot yeah. four years ago at USC Eisner. And uh, now it's really growing. And we hope to uh, spread it countywide and statewide mm-hmm. and for it to be a model for the country. Wow. I, I really hope that that happens. I mean, it seems like, you know, I don't know what all of the other counties in the U.S. are doing to address this. Certainly there are some local efforts in, in these local counties to L.A., but it seems like you guys have put so much work and so much energy and and really careful looking at how your program works and how your training works. Seems like it would be great if if this could be outsourced to other counties or duplicated so that mm-hmm. and so that other counties could either use your model or take what works for them. Is that something that is possible? Yes, absolutely. And um we would love to be able to help other counties. We currently do in a more informal way. Uh, they will call for just some advice or to ask how we've done things. But uh, we would love mm-hmm. to be able to do that more formally and to be able uh, to spread the word that we can do that. And we'd really like to be able to. It's, it's a really great idea. And also, uh, you have so many different uh, cultural and ethnic groups in L.A. that it, it sounds like you may have, uh, because you already have information in so many different languages and you're tailoring the speaker salon to be able to be used in different cultural uh, groups, that that might also be useful for other counties who maybe have some of a mix of culture the way LA, LA County does? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So the, the work that, that you guys have done in terms of being able to support other counties, you said you already are are doing that on an informal level? And how is that working? What, what does it, that look like? It really, like? at this point, just looks like somebody calling us up or um, saying, do you have some time to talk? And us having mm-hmm. some conference calls and um, folks kind of picking our brains and us sharing kind of informally what we've done. And um, yeah, but I think it would be nice to, to think about uh, making that more structured and then more readily available so folks know it's mm-hmm. available. And, and it sounds like the work that you're doing is effective as well. Do you have had, I think you said 1,500 people trained already this year. Um, are you getting feedback from other providers in the community or, or um, consumers, people who are, are using the services? Yes, great question. So a couple of things. We, we formally evaluate our programs. We have an external evaluator. So we're always looking about at how we're doing. People fill out evaluations and we ask those questions and we measure. We have different metrics to look at. Were, was the training effective? What could be improved? what was gained. And then we have follow-up, you know, three and six month follow-up data. Uh, how have their practices changed? Was it helpful? What would they need to further support practice change? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I hadn't mentioned, but in terms of systems change, one of the big barriers that we found, and um, so Gabrielle Kaufman is the director of our training program and Joe Bloomfield is the director of our policy and advocacy program. And Gabrielle mm-hmm. develops all of with the training institute. 
uh, all of the curriculum and tailors the trainings. And um, Joe has been working on other uh, more global aspects of systems change. And to that end, uh, together as a team, our whole Maternal Mental Health Now team really found that we were training, and also part of the training is learning how to screen, but that many providers mm-hmm. um, systems-wide were reluctant to screen for many reasons. One of the mm-hmm. barriers is what's going to happen? We're going to screen. We're going to see that a woman might be depressed or anxious or might need help, and we don't know where to send her. And mm-hmm. um, so to that end, Joe spearheaded the development, uh, we had already had a very basic, undeveloped resource directory, and with a grant from um, one of our foundations, private foundations here in L.A., she grew the resource directory, and it's a first-of-its-kind, mm-hmm. I think, groundbreaking directory that's on our website now and can be embedded in other folks' websites, which yeah. is 240 vetted resources. It is, Amazing. It's so great. And we're, mm-hmm. you know, so that includes the whole spectrum. About 80% mm-hmm. of the resources uh, focus on low-income women who have no insurance, no pay or low pay. Mm-hmm. And then the rest mm-hmm. are a- across the gamut for people who can uh, privately pay as well. And that includes everything from you know, doulas to psychiatrists to psychologists, social workers, um, everybody. Yeah. So, and we're, so in terms of out, you know, outcome, we're seeing uh, over 1,000 hits a month. What? That's amazing. That's so good. I, I <laughs> so know. Good. And because of people like you, you you know. I, 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 I do refer people to that directory yeah. often. Are you finding that it's helpful? Oh, it really is. Um, even people who are from out, um, you know, out of the area, I've had people in Northern California, you know, on some of these listservs that I'm on say, hey, I need a referral for somebody in L.A., and, and some of the other providers might know someone personally, but LA is so big and it's hard to say like, yeah, you give a resource to somebody who is in, I don't know, Santa Monica, uh, but they really need to, to have a resource closer to Culver City or some, somewhere else that could be hard to get to. So giving them the resource directly uh, so that they can search in their area has been very helpful, both within the county and people who are you know, looking for resources that could be on the other side of the country That's sometimes. That's so great to hear. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. 
Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And, and yeah, so the, the resources are, you can search by language, insurance, as you said, location, and it's really great. And, and also the kind of evidence-based practices they're doing. Are they doing couples mm-hmm. work? Are they doing uh, work with mom and baby? Are they doing family work? Are they doing IPT or... Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or supportive therapy, all sorts, peer, you know, groups. It goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So it's very helpful. Yeah, it's a fantastic resource. And, and I, I think because LA is so big and there are so many different pockets, as everybody says who lives around here, you have to drive 45 minutes to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very helpful to have localized resources or uh, where you can find localized help to, to wherever that mom is. It's Otherwise, you're just doing endless searches uh, online Mm -hmm. for, you know, you have to type in all the right information to find the exact right thing you need. And I think that that's been a barrier to a lot of people just because resources might be there, but if nobody can Mm -hmm. find them, then how useful Mm -hmm. is it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So this this speaks directly to that issue and makes it accessible to everybody really quickly. So great to hear. That's the hope. And we're constantly beating the bushes. And because of the direct rate, now providers are coming to us that we didn't know about saying, hey, we, we provide mm-hmm. those services. You know, please right. list us. So that's really been a way to increase the number of available resources that folks can know about. That's so good. So uh, hopefully if there are other counties listening or other people that are um, providers elsewhere, this could spark some ideas uh, to make these services more accessible or more easily findable. Yeah. Is that a type of support that you would also be able to give uh, people who are uh, other providers who are calling in? How can we do this? How, how did you do Absolutely. this? Absolutely. Um, why should people have to reinvent the wheel? It took a lot for us to learn how to do this. Um, it's very successful. Yeah. And it, you know, nationwide, it really does address one of the barriers to screening. We all want everybody mm-hmm. to screen, but they're reluctant. So uh, it's not the it's not the end all and be all. It's not the answer to everything, but it really does address a significant barrier. And so we'd be happy to train uh, or, or, or teach or impart what mm-hmm. are the, you know, what was the recipe really for doing it? <laughs> right. So if I can also ask there are listeners in this audience who are you know, both providers and practitioners, but moms as well. Um, in terms of the work that you're doing, or maybe, you know, just some hope that you can give to the moms that are listening about getting help and finding resources, what kinds of things are you seeing that are useful with your program or any type of words of, of hope that you can give to the moms yeah. who need oh, help? Such a good question. I really believe that for moms who are suffering with any of these sorts of conditions and feelings, 
if they're having a lot of anxiety, if they're having postpartum depression or anything related to uh, emotional wellness and pregnancy and the postpartum period, um, which can last up to a couple of years, and we, we know sometimes mm-hmm. or more, that yeah. I, I, I know that these conditions are very treatable. And mm-hmm. um, the most important part, and that's where stigma reduction comes in, is to really reach out for help. And to, to do yeah. that first, we have to know it's okay. And it's very, mm-hmm. very common. And there is no shame in it. And right. it's very important as women that we become empowered to get the help we need and to ask for help. And once you do, it's not like all the doors will just easily open, but it a big, big the door is opened uh, more than just a foot in the door, you know. Right. And right. then you will find help. And different things help different people. And there's no, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important to remember that. So... Uh, it's great to hear from other women, but to remember every woman's story is different. And some right. women may be helped simply by just talking to other women. And, you know, it's important for all of us to uh, really come from an empathic place. And so sometimes mm-hmm. all we need is someone who can really, truly, deeply listen to us sometime and understand. And that begins to ease things. Sometimes we, yeah. right, we may need medication. Sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, in addition, for me, I at eight months postpartum, psychotherapy was the thing for me. And that mm-hmm. helped me to be, feel less and less brittle. I've worked with patients who someone gave them a heads up. Hey, you have some risk factors when they were in pregnancy. Various risk factors oh. such as early childhood loss, early trauma. A history of anxiety and depression or bipolar disorder, uh, trauma, early trauma, or many things. And so uh, we don't always know that we have the risk factors, but if we can learn about Mm -hmm. them, then we can put preventive things in place. So I've worked with women who had so many risk factors, but they, they got to know that. As somebody told them about it, they were open to hearing it. And then they reached out for help while they were pregnant and actually prevented, were in some cases actually mm-hmm. to prevent, you know, postpartum adjustment wasn't necessarily easy, but they didn't fall down as yeah. low as they might have. And um, so different kinds of therapy are helpful, psychodynamic psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, various kinds of supportive therapy. So... It's just a matter of uh, working in a coaching way with you and your baby sometimes is very helpful to some women, sometimes not. Bringing mm-hmm. in a partner to the mm-hmm. therapy experience can be very helpful. So, you know, learning about all the things this, the, to manage mood, your mood, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things can be helpful. But I think it all starts with reaching out for help. Yes. So I, I think one of the ways that, you know, I'd like to direct people back to your website, uh, www.maternalmentalhealthnow.org. And there is a find help now button um, where it, that'll take you directly to the directory. So you obviously you don't have to be a provider to look for um, to look for someone. Um, anybody can go on this website and look for a provider. Um, and sometimes I think even the consults for, for medication could be 
a part of a search here. Um, if you're already, if someone's already working with a psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner uh, and needs to find a specialist, a reproductive okay. psychiatrist, that is a, is a possibility. Yes. Um, and then also, you guys have a lot of ways to be connected on Twitter at MM Health Now on Twitter, um, Facebook, Maternal Mental Health Now, and on Instagram also, Maternal Mental Health Now. So there's a lot of ways for people to stay updated and get messages of hope. As people are scrolling through, looking at all the stressful things in the world, it's nice to see one or two yeah. messages of hope in there. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys do a really yeah. good job of that. Well, you do an amazing job, Kat, of spreading the word. And this, oh, this podcast is amazing uh, to continue oh, to spread all you. the awareness. Uh, you work so hard and effectively for that. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I just, I want to thank you so much for being on with us today and taking the time to talk about maternal mental health now and all the awesome work that you guys do. And I hope that this is another way for people to find your resources, reach out to you guys for, for consultation. If people want to bring this work into their counties and to their communities, you guys have a really good model that I think would be great to have replicated elsewhere. So thank you so thank much. Thank you, Kat. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.